there, Joanna. Hello, Nate. And hello to all of you. As you may or may not know, we are Stranger Than. Also, as you may or may not know, we're here to talk about the unsolved, the mysterious, the misunderstood. The creepy. The creepy. And this time, we are talking about Men in Black. Definitely could apply the term creepy when it comes to them. Yes, not not Will Smith. No. I tell you, I'm kind of glad to finally be recording this so I can be done with it because every single time I read or speak the word Men in Black, Will Smith is right there in the background singing his song. Yeah. Here come the men in black. Oh, my God. It's literally been in my mind continuously this whole time I've been researching stuff. So I have a greatest hits of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, and it has that song on it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've got it on CD. <laughs> Most of my music is on CD. I just listen to music on uh, YouTube if I'm not li- listening to CDs in my car. I'm old school. I actually usually listen to Spotify, but sometimes in my car I just listen to a CD since I do have an old school non-Bluetooth. That's the same as mine, so. But I do use utilize the aux cord, the aux cord. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got a Bluetooth thing that goes to the aux cord, and so I do have Bluetooth capabilities. It's just no fancy screen or anything like right, that. Right, exactly. Same. We're not talking today about Will Smith or Tessa Thompson or Chris Hemsworth or... I didn't even know there was another one with Chris Hemsworth. That was totally a surprise to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. So they're both in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. I think they're both in Endgame, too, but I don't think she was in it very much. But Well, I mean, I only really noticed Chris Hemsworth because he's delicious right right deliciously delicious i would say definitely in my um top five of delicious famous men out good old australia apparently oh man australia really grows some hot guys i gotta say gross apparently (laughs) his brothers are are attractive as well oh yeah they're they are so there you go they are big time liam hemsworth yum tommy lee jones Got to give a nod to him. That's right. That's right. Rip Torn. <laughs> Rip. Well, all these guys were definitely better looking than how the men in black are typically described. The real men in black that. Oh, yes. Yeah. And they're all quite a bit more likable as well. Yeah, these guys are, are not very nice when they they come along, but they have some odd mannerisms. I think they do, too, where it's just kind of like, hmm. A fairly typical encounter is that you see what they're calling today a UAP. What does what does that mean? Unidentified aerial phenomena. That's what they call UFOs now. Oh, I had no idea about that either. Yep, there you go. I'm There's so not with it when it comes to the UFO slang. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's that's what they call it now. UAPs. You're sober and well rested, and you know it's real. Maybe you tell a friend about it, maybe not. However, the next day you answer your door because someone is knocking at it. Generally what people do, I guess. I try not to, but hey, it's me. A man or two, or sometimes three, in a nondescript black suit, or suits, I guess, depending upon the amount of people there, 
They ask you about your encounter and tell you if you keep talking about it, something bad will happen to you and or your family. What a dick. Total dick move right there. Or dicks. Mm-hmm. Or dicks. Also, I've heard that not only do they ask you about the encounter, they seem to kind of like know already what happened. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of like, oh, hey, remember when you saw that unidentified aerial phenomena <laughs> last night? <laughs> kind of weird. We know that it... you took a piece of it back to your house, Mr. You know, so-and-so of whatever street and whatever city and whatever state. Whatever yeah. galactic coordinate. Mm-hmm. Then they threaten, you know. That's we'll not be cool. That, we'll be needing that back, or uh, perhaps something will happen to you and or your wife and or your kids, parents, friends, whatever. They, they tend to do it in a very non-descriptive way, though. Sort of like the mob. Just something bad's going to happen, but they don't get full-on freak show with exactly what. First, I'm going to take her to my ship, and I'm going to, like, fucking skin him alive. And They're not overtly threatening. Mm-hmm. The men in black wear dark suits, oftentimes have sunglasses. And hats. And hats, of course. Fedora-style hats or bowler hats or something like that. Kind of like the Blues Brothers. A little bit, yeah. Or Indiana <laughs> Jones, but with a black hat. They're generally reported to be short, with straight, dark hair and olive complexions. Alternatively, they're very tall, but not usually in between. Their fucking face. Olive complexions are types 3, 4, and 5 on the Fitzpatrick scale, which is a scale of human skin color and its response to ultraviolet light. Humans with this pigmentation are geographically located in areas with more sun and rarely burn. So this would be areas like the Mediterranean or uh, India or some parts of the nearer Middle East. Interesting. Because I've heard about them being all like white and pasty. Yes, that's the other one. That's is the that other they are one. Very, okay, so there's two different kinds. Yes, they're all very, right. very, well, two different descriptions. They always have either have this olive complexion or they're very pale and... No eyebrows. No eyebrows, no eyelashes. No almost hair. dead looking. Mm-hmm. Like like a fish belly. Like, um oh shit. Who's Mike Myers in Yeah, as the bad guy in the um Austin Powers movies? Doctor Evil? Doctor Evil. Doctor Yes. That's, I kind of I kind of picture Doctor Evil. Doctor Evil in a black suit with a hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They usually roll in black cars, new looking black cars, like a Cadillac or Buicks. They like they're real like kind of like secret service, like fed type cars. Yeah, but not exactly like off a little bit. Well, yeah, I'd say they're awful. They're kind of like secret servicemen, except off, off a, little a little bit. bit. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, they actually pose as government agents, but their credentials are weird or say wrong imaginary government agencies or they just don't have the right graphics on them like unreadable text just weird shit like that <laughs> apparently their goal is to keep people from talking about alien encounters they're like the cleaners of uh whatever the fuck i'm just of, saying ufo sightings they're yeah yeah i mean whatever <laughs> it's weird they're the cleaners of ufo encounters sometimes they come with 
black eyed children. Oh, do they? Yeah, we was thinking about black eyed children oh, the other day. We uh, we we talked about the men in black. I think the first time that we talked about them was briefly in our black eyed children episode. Mm, black eyed kids. And that's old school. That's so old school. Like number three or something. I think that's actually number two. Is it? I think number. Yeah, I think it's number two. Wow. Still old. That's way and old. And I haven't listened to any of the old stuff. In some time. Yes. Yes. I have gone through and remastered some of it. I had the intention of going through some more when I have time. So if you're like new to listening to us, uh, please listen to some of the old school stuff. But. We've worked hard to make lots of improvements and yeah, yeah, it'll sound better <laughs> as I have the ability to go back and, and make some changes. At any rate, we've talked about briefly Men in Black in, in many of the different episodes we've had because they pop up with a relative frequency. A lot of times when there's something weird going on afterwards, the Men in Black will pop up and tell you to shut the fuck up about it, basically. Why don't we get into a few stories of the Men in Black here? Well, do you want to talk about Dan Aykroyd? Why not? We could start off with him. That sounds lovely. I mean, we are talking about, you know, famous actors and such. Dan Aykroyd, he filmed a series where was filming a series called Out There. Out There. It, this is in like 2002. Uh, something like that. Early 2000s. I remember watching a YouTube video about like him talking about the experience. And I was like, damn, he looks so young. Like, when did this happen again? Oh, 2002. And that was like super fucking long ago now. Right. Like 17 years ago. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's insane. Well, he was recording this. And at one point he was on the phone with Britney Spears, Britney Spears, because they had been in a movie together. Yeah. He, he played, played her dad, I guess, mm -hmm. in Crossroads. Yeah. Yeah. She was going to be on, I believe, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And I mean, Dan Aykroyd is known for his time on Saturday Night Live oh, yeah. and then also Ghostbusters. Oh, well, obviously. Yeah. Well, some people haven't seen stuff like this. That's, and it's, that's true. Well, Ghostbusters is definitely worth a watch. Crossroads, not so much. Sorry. Sorry, Brittany. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of his old Saturday Night Live stuff. That's. He was on Saturday Night Live in That's the 70s. Classic. Yes. Trading Places. He was in a lot of great, a great, great shit. Mm-hmm. But you at know, any rate, there's a whole I'm just saying because there's a whole generation probably of people who don't know what the who, hell uh, Dan Aykroyd is. Yeah, I don't know who the hell he is. Well, we're about to have another Ghostbusters movie, I believe, next year with the, with the like originals? real Ghostbusters. Aren't some of them dead, though, now? Just the one. Which one is dead? Egon is Egon's dead. Egon's dead. That's right. Ugh. That makes me sad. So we'll have a whole generation that will know the Ghostbusters as we knew them. All right. So at any rate, Britney Spears yeah. wanted Dan Aykroyd to come on Saturday Night Live with her. So he's out on the street taking this call from Britney on a cell phone and notices this black sedan pull up. He's just kind of talking on the phone and he notices a guy get out. A very, very tall, very, very pale man get out. There's also a man sitting in the back and they kind of. Give him stink eye, I guess. Mm -hmm. you know, Maybe he did the Dr. Evil, like, pinky thing. Yeah, like, yeah, give him, you know. Yeah, they definitely, they give him a mean look. Mm -hmm. And he looks away and then looks back and the car is gone. It's vanished. Like, it didn't go. I read a couple of things, oh, before it, it drove away. But when he is telling it, no, he 
is very assertive that it vanished. It didn't drive away. He would have seen it. Didn't go past him. Drive away. He didn't go past him. Apparently where it was. I mean, he knows where he was and everything at the time, but the car would have had to have gone past him, I guess. And it did not. To leave. Did and not. it didn't. He And he only turned his head for a second, too. And it, he swears it just vanished into thin air. At the time they were filming this show, they were actively filming. They weren't mm-hmm. on a break. They hadn't. It wasn't in editing. They were they were in the middle of actually filming episodes. Yeah. And one of them was going to feature a guy, I guess, that was going to spill a lot of information. Yes, I know who he is. I've heard I think I've actually heard interviews like Dr. Stephen Greer, I think. Yes, Dr. Stephen Greer. Dr. Stephen Greer. You yeah, 100 percent on point with that. And uh, Aykroyd gets a call. They are shutting the show down, shutting the show down. Stop filming immediately. None of it's going to air. We're done. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Exactly. Just like that. He says that maybe hopefully someday he'll release those things on on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. But as it stands, they have never seen the light of day. And it, that was, like we said, 17 years ago. Exactly. So what is implied with this and what is believed is that the men in black told or somehow got their influence over the studio to make it stop. Mm-hmm. To stop production. They didn't want this information to get out. And specifically, I think it was about Dr. Stephen Greer's information. Yeah. The disclosure projects, I think, is. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing he does. Let's go back in time a little bit, Joanna. Sure. How far back we going? Well, why don't you tell us about our good friend Harold Dahl? The story of Harold Dahl is the first known Men in Black encounter. That's right. At least well, that's what I've heard. It's the very first. 1947, I believe, right? Yeah. Harold was in a boat in Washington State. Yeah. He was out near Maury Island. Have you ever... Been there even heard of that? No, it's on Vashon Island, and it's not actually an island itself. It's a peninsula, Uh although it appears, I I looked on Google Earth, and it appears that the land is, where that connects it to Vashon Island is basically a two-lane road with a little bit of beach on either side. Hmm. I don't know if it's something that we built or if it's something that is natural, I couldn't find that mm. bit of information. So I'm assuming it's just a natural piece of the land, but it's. Yeah, it's all like Maury Island. I'm like, where the fuck is that? It's basically <laughs> it's in my own state <laughs> right across the water from. Yeah, I mean, if you said Vashon Island, I'd be like, oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's right across from like Kent mm. and like Fife Weird. and that area right across the water. Weird. Yeah. OK. Kent and Fife. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) So he's out on the boat and he's like collecting some logs. He's with his son and his dog and he sees what he described as six donut shaped. Objects. In the air above him. Six. Unidentified. Mm hmm. One of them. Starts dropping like it starts kind of dropping down out of the air and as it is doing that it's just throwing all this like debris this metallic debris down onto them it kills his dog apparently 
and it lands on his son Charles's arm. Breaking it, correct? I didn't, I just said, that. I just read that it was, that it injured him. But I can see where. That may break it as well. That might have been the case. There's another version of that story where Harold Dahl is a longshoreman and he's on a work boat and they're collecting logs or something. Yeah, collecting logs, I guess that's the same. And then (laughs) for some reason, the dog is on the boat, too, and it breaks one of the other workers on the boat's arm. And apparently one of these other boat workers corroborated his story, according to him or whatever. It's weird. It is weird. Now, the version I have is that he managed to get some pictures while this was going on, and he showed them to, like, his his work supervisor to be like, oh, hey, look at what happened yesterday. This thing killed my dog and hurt my kid, and and the supervisor was kind of skeptical. Right. As one probably would be. Well, totally. Especially in 1947, there was a lot of, like, UFO flying saucer tales that were all over the place. You're like, oh, Which you're saying a flying saucer, Which has a lot of association, eh? I've read, with the, cold, the fact that the Cold War was going on with Russia. Like, there was Barely. Like a, there was like a, it was like this whole state of mind. It was. Paranoia thing. And, you know, who knows what might have influenced the media on it, too, as a subtle way to, like, combat communism. Right, but I don't know if that I, was really in full swing in 1947. That was, was just, just two in its years. Beginnings. I mean, that was just two years I mean, after after World War II. Well, II. yeah, but we were pretty not friends with Russia as soon as the war was over. That's true, but like we all fought on the same side during it. But as soon as it was done, and they started adopting communism, well, I guess they already kind of were, but we yeah. didn't really like need their help to destroy. Nazism and fascism. We just, didn't, so. we just didn't care. We just didn't care as much at, at the time. But yeah, we're like, oh wait. But afterwards, it was like, hmm, I don't know about these Russians. Yeah. So I don't know. At any rate. It at any rate, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter a whole lot what the guys thought initially. He or because, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he went out to the same spot and says that he, too, saw the same aircraft. An identified aircraft. Hopefully nothing got dropped on him. No, nothing got dropped on him. The supervisor's name was Fred Chrisman. And after he sees the same thing himself. All right, you're not full of shit. Yeah, they kind of team up and I guess eventually want to get their story published. Before all that, though. The next day, Harold Dahl gets a visit from a man dressed in a black suit. Ruh-roh. <laughs> According to Dahl, the man knew kind of everything about the incident. Right, right, as we mentioned mm-hmm. before. And just kind of strongly hinted to him that he needs to not tell anybody about what happened. Yeah. Fred and Harold would later say that it was all a hoax. But then many years later, Harold Dahl claims that the confession that it was a hoax was made under duress. Right, right. He was told to say it was a hoax and then recanted. Yes, recanted. There was another UFO sighting in Mount Rainier like three days later. Yeah. And this guy, the guy that saw it was 
he was a pilot. Kenneth Arnold was his name. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Arnold's sighting got a lot of attention. And when Fred Chrisman and Harold Dahl want to sell their story to a magazine, the magazine contacts Kenneth Arnold to verify if any of their story is true. Right. Because at this point, he's the only other person they're aware of that has seen a UAP, a UFO, a flying saucer. In the same area within days of this other sighting. As far as anyone's concerned, he is the leading authority at this point, even though he doesn't know, you know, anything really. Arnold brings in two Army A2 intelligence officers with him to kind of all of them talk and have them investigate the other two guys' claims. Oh, yeah. They go down, they talk to them, and when these intelligence officers leave, they board a B-52 plane, which catches fire and crashes, and they are both killed. Holy shit. On their way back. Although Arnold himself never reported any MIB incidents. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I was like, hey. That's the one that, that kind of, that's the part of it that really gets to me a little bit. As far as being the, a. The fact that somebody completely different saw something similar three days later. Yeah. And then like two intelligence officers sent to investigate the situation. It's fucking die. Like a very, it's a very subtle threat, but at the same time. Why not just kill the people who saw it? Why keep them alive? What is the benefit of that? Maybe it's just less. It's just easier to like threaten somebody. But then the, to, but kill, then to, to kill them. I don't know. They crashed a plane to threaten someone that they could have run down in a car when he was crossing the street to get whatever you got cigarettes and whiskey mm-hmm. or whatever you bought in 1947 that's true although you know if it were me and two people that seem to be in positions of power came to investigate it and then their fucking plane crashed and died on their way back that would that would make me shut the fuck up <laughs> all right certainly especially if certainly. i'd already been visited by this like weird creepy guy who said to shut up about everything in the yeah. first place and then I talked to somebody in official capacity and then they just fucking randomly die on their way back before they can even get back to base. Yeah, I'd be shutting the fuck up. I wouldn't say anything really at that point either, but still, it (laughs) seems like. I mean, it does seem like an extreme measure for. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they could have just killed the guy. But but maybe the people knew about the story by then and they knew about Arnold's story and. Maybe it seemed easier to just kill whoever came to investigate it than to try and kill all three of them and have that just suddenly seem like a coincidence, too. Less of a direct link. Like, it wasn't as if... Because, I mean, if it were me and that happened, I'd be like, okay, message received, loud and clear. Yeah, it wasn't that the people who actually experienced it died, (laughs) but other people died, and so there's no direct... Yeah, link to the experience and the death, whatever. I mean, and there is probably degree, but keep still. people from, you know, keep whoever you're threatening from saying a damn word. Ideally. <laughs> yeah, one would hope. I yeah. mean, he did go back later and say no, but. I guess after some time, you just aren't as afraid. Mm hmm. Sure. Maybe you've just reached a point in life where you're just like, fuck it. <laughs> 
Right. You know what? Come after me, motherfuckers. Like, what are you guys going to do? You, you, you sort I don't want to like go a, out with people thinking I was a fucking liar. Sort of a deathbed confession thing. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? I'm, I'm dying or I'm dead, basically. Well, let's move on in time just a little bit and talk about Albert K. Bender. We're fast forwarding to 1955. Now, Cold War was pretty heavy duty. But oh, yes. Cold War was. Had McCarthy. Yeah, yeah this yeah, was I mean, this was. Yeah, 100 percent. And this guy, Bender, was the editor of a small indie magazine. Called Space Review. Space Review. I like it. Good name. Mm-hmm. It had a readership of only a couple hundred. He also ran an organization called the IFSB, or the International Flying Saucer Bureau, which had pretty slim membership. <laughs> Sounds like our podcast. <laughs> yes, true. The October, and this was actually 1953, I believe. The October issue of the Space Review printed, and I quote, Late Bulletin. A source which the IFSB considers very reliable has informed us that the investigation of the flying saucer mystery and the solution is approaching its final stages. The same source to whom we have referred data, which had come into our possession, suggested that it was not the proper method and time to publish the data in Space Review. Statement of Importance The mystery of the flying saucers is no longer a mystery. The source is already known, but any information about this is being withheld by order from a higher source. We would like to print the full story in Space Review, but because of the nature of the information, we are very sorry that we have been advised in the negative. We advise those engaged in saucer work to please be very cautious. Saucer work. I like it. Shortly after this issue, Bender both dissolved the organization and stopped the magazine. And in an interview in a local paper, said that he'd been visited by three men who told him to stop publishing stuff about UFOs. Or else. Or else. They were very emphatic, and they scared him quite bad. Oh, yeah. Enough to he just shut all of his shit down. And from what I hear, that people that knew him said he lived like just a shit life after that. In 1962, he ended up writing a book called Flying Saucers and the Three Men. Which actually is in the nonfiction section, mm-hmm. but I guess it's pretty fantastical. Regardless, he lived a long old life and died March 29th, 2016 at 95 years old. Wow, that's that's pretty old. So despite talking about his experience in the book, the men in black did not get him. No, they didn't. But I hear he did live kind of a in a state of anxiety for most of the rest of his life he was kind of convinced that like his phone was always being fucked with and tapped and yeah yeah very paranoid mm-hmm, very paranoid which maybe why that book is just kind of so weird and fantastical compared to maybe what he was doing previous yeah maybe i'd like to get a hold of it maybe maybe give it a read and see exactly there was what they're actually talking a, about i came across a number of books on the subject. Oh, yes. So if anyone out there is interested in, in learning much more, there's a shit, there's a shit ton of books you can read about it. Oh, yeah, there's a lot. There was more than I would have expected. There's a story of a college professor who was reading in the library of the University of Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. A this solid guy. Yeah, this is this is this is odd. 
A solitary man in black sat down next to him, and by sat down next to him, it's almost as if he just appeared and was just dropped from the ceiling into the chair. You just and suddenly just like right there. Like sup. It's tall, skinny. Said he was probably six foot one, 140 pounds. So that's This sounds like what happens to me at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just sitting there and all of a sudden it's like as if dropped from the sky is some huge, like creepy. Some dude like sup. yeah. Sup. That's 185 centimeters, 64 kilograms. So pretty lean. I am not six foot one and I outweigh that by 20 pounds. Mm, and you're not a heavy guy. And I am not overweight. So that's very underweight and sort of just starts spouting out a bunch of shit about UFOs. So the man in black is talking about the UFOs. Yeah, just just talking about UFOs. I see you're uh, reading about UFOs here. You like those things? Mm hmm. Can I get you another book? <laughs> All right. It was just like really super talky about it. and. The professor was like, ah, I don't really care that much. Like, I don't I don't I don't know if it's it's intriguing, but I don't know if it exists. And the man in that sat down next to him gets very like gets very mad about it and almost offended. Right. Sometimes in these encounters, they get all like pissed about shit. All huffy. Yeah, like super huffy. Like, I mean, I get that you're being scary and all, but. Don't be someone a little bitch to, about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, damn, dude, don't let it get to you. You're supposed to stay cool. Right? right. Well, he does not stay cool. And the professor calms him down. Hey, buddy, everything's fine. Yeah, UFOs are totally dope, dude. Never. It's all right. It's all right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend. After a while. Oh, and the guy was, of course, black suit, white tie, hat, right, all that stuff. Right, right. Or black, a white shirt, not white tie. Black, you know, black suit, black tie, white shirt. White shirt. Yeah. After talking to the guy for a while, he did calm down. He just sort of took off i'm fucking out of here and what was sort of strange was when the guy was freaking out about ufos and how he needed to care about them more he was yelling they were in a library and no one came around to see what was going on so the professor stands up and goes around to where the librarians would be and there's no one at the reception desk or whatever that desk is that's in a library, that reference desk, the help desk, whatever the fuck. There's no one there. And there's he looks around and there's no one else in the library. He is all of a sudden he's just by himself in the fucking in the library. library. So this wigs him out a little and he goes back to where he was sitting and starts to get his shit together, slowly yeah, like gathering his books and just like, it takes him this. like an hour, an hour. Well, he's got to gather himself. He's very wigged out at this point. I have so much shit. I, I always have so much shit with me and I would not. I mean, I know it takes me an hour to maybe get out of my house, but if I was just at the library, I'm expecting that he is chilling out, breathing. Did I really see that? Did I really talk to that guy? Why there's no one? Is there no one around? Well, if you're that scared about it, though, I mean, you would take an hour to actually leave the building. Hey, he he's an, sorry, like he's I, an intellectual. He's thinking it through he's, like so hard. He's an just, intellectual. He was too busy rationalizing shit, thinking about it to whatever. He got his shit together. It took him like an hour. But as he leaves, there's now librarians at this reception desk or whatever the hell desk. And there's people in the aisles. There's people in the library. It's a regular library again. He did not talk about this experience for several years. Because it wigged him out so bad. Yeah, that's a weird one. I wonder, I guess I've heard reference sometimes to the fact that they're not always like being dicks. Some people think that they're trying to actually like tell them something. 
Yeah. yeah. Because like maybe they have a very specific set of rules that they have to follow, but they can release some information if they do it in such a way that doesn't break these rules. And that's why they're so weird. Could be. Or maybe some of them are just are breaking the rules. Rogue, and trying to tell yeah. them have you seen the like, show Fringe? I have not. You should watch the show Fringe. I think you would really like it. What's it on? It's on. I don't know, either Hulu or Netflix, I believe. I believe it's streaming. You'd have to double check, but it it was on Fox and it lasted four or five seasons, but it went a whole run. It Mm -hmm. finished the whole series. It's really good. Nice. It's super creepy, weird stuff. It's got people that have been in other things and you'll be like, oh, that guy's in was in fucking Dawson's Creek or whatever. And that guy was in like. (laughs) The Young and the Restless or something. I don't know. I did not watch either of those shows. Whatever this shit. Whatever this shit. I don't even know if there's people from either of those shows. (laughs) Those were just the two shows that popped into my head. Dawson's Creek grew a pretty uh, big cast of future stars there. There you go. Would you like to hear about Connie Carpenter? Yeah. Tell me all about Connie Carpenter. Well, I don't want to tell you all about Connie Carpenter. But I'll tell you a bit about her. She was walking to school. It was 8 a.m., February 22nd, 1967. A black 1949 Buick pulls up next to Connie Carpenter and stops and opens the door. Run, Connie Carpenter, run. A man's wearing a button-up shirt, doesn't have a jacket on, but it's got a button-up shirt, gestures her over. No. No, she walks over to the car. No, Connie. She's just expecting him to ask her directions. As she gets close to the car, guess what? He He tries to grab her. (laughs) No, no, this is the 1960s. The predators were a little bit more polite. They waited until they got you back to their house before they pulled the dick out. All right. He tried to grab her, (laughs) but she he did grab her, but she struggles and manages to break free and runs away. Yeah, good. Good for you, Connie. If you recognize the name Connie Carpenter, do you? Well, there's lots of people with the last name Carpenter that are known. Well, the reason that some may recognize her is because she, a few months previous, had run into the Mothman, oh. almost literally, while driving home from church. She basically almost fucking ran into the Mothman in her car. Mm. They also say the Mothman was, you know, anti-communist propaganda. Well... But, you know, that's another episode. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, her experience. I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It kinda, they kind of surfaced uh, at the same much, time. Yeah, yeah, later than the men in black. Well, her experiences with both the Mothman and the man in black led her to become more reclusive than before. According to some, she did not like to leave her house at that point afterwards unless she really had to. Her husband was one of those people that said the whole thing changed. She got married very young. Mm-hmm. So kind of like Richard Bender. I mean, just kind of fucked up from that point on yeah paranoid yeah, yeah. and that was from both experiences mm-hmm. god knows what was good the men in black probably just gonna tell yeah, her not knows to talk I, about the fucking mothman yeah. or something <laughs> mothman no thank you well you've got uh, a little bit about dr herbert hopkins don't you that is like the best doctor name ever isn't don't you it think mm-hmm. dr herbert hopkins who was consulting on a ufo sighting i guess in maine he lived yeah. in maine he was a practitioner of hypnosis. Have you ever been to Maine? I have not been to Maine. I haven't either. Jarek really wants to go to Maine. 
Maine would be cool. It's just Maine is so far. It's like driving to Florida from here. That's yes, it is. Well, according to Stephen King, it's a creepy place. I know. All of his shit takes place in Maine. Good lobsters, though, or lobsters. Good lobsters. Big lobsters. Yeah. Dr. Hopkins was no slouch, though. He was known for his work as an allergist and also his research into the causes and treatment of multiple sclerosis. Quite a good doctor. Yeah. Well, as I said, he was researching this UFO encounter in Maine. And on the evening of September 11th, 1976, he was at his home and he receives a phone call from someone claiming to be from the New Jersey UFO organization. And he wants to know if Herbert is alone and if he can speak to him. He was actually the vice president. Oh, the vice president. Of the New Jersey UFO research organization. Not just some slouch. The vice president. Way high up there. Way high up there. Dr. Hopkins agrees to meet with him and hangs up the phone. Okay. Remember, kids, when strangers contact you, don't give them your address because that's what dr hopkins did is he gave this man his address and it's 1976 though like Remember, you said it, kids, it was kind of like a different time you're just like sure come meet me at my home don't just give strangers your home address unless it's uber that's fine that's the only stranger on the internet you're allowed to give your address or to, Lyft, because whatever, probably yeah. at this point they wouldn't in today's time you would get like a fucking facebook message or an instagram dm or a text or whatever. Yes. It, it would probably be through some sort of internet channel, though. But whatever it is, don't give anyone ever your fucking address. That's just a stupid idea. Unless you know them and then give them your address. That's fine. But just some random person calling from wherever. Always, hey, if you think it's a valid meeting, then meet in public. Starbucks. Yes. Police station. <laughs> <laughs> Never the home. Never the home. Never ever. A few minutes pass. Like literally like. Hopkins says that. A couple of minutes. I'll flip on my porch light to let you know I'm home and you can come by. And so he hangs up the phone and walks over to flip on the porch light. And then the guy's just like there. Sees the guy mounting the step to come up to his house. Yeah. It's like, like the bottom of the stairs. Wow, mm-hmm. man. Now. That was there were no quick. cell phones because this is 1976. <laughs> right. And the guy had mentioned he was at a payphone. Well, he probably would have had to if he wasn't, you know, actually sitting in the offices of the New Jersey. Exactly. And so he had mentioned that he was at a payphone during their conversation. The closest payphone was several blocks away. So there's I mean, he wasn't going to get there. He would have he been like it would have been like Superman walking like Superman goes into the phone booth and it would well, have been, Clark Kent goes in. Superman comes yeah. out and then he's just like, boom, you know, just leaves that kind of like super fast trail behind him as he walks. It would have had to have been faster than anyone could travel for unless him to actually Superman. be calling. Unless you're Superman. Superman could have done it. Or any variety of superheroes. The Flash could do it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure others. And then be walking up the stairs. So, madness. Well, he opens the door and just lets the stranger in. Doesn't greet him, just opens the door and lets him on in. Just come on in, random. It's like, oh, hey, dude. That yeah. was quick. What's up? The man is dressed in a black suit and tie with a white shirt. And he's one of the pale ones. One of the pale ones. He takes off his hat, likely a fedora, after entering the house and reveals himself to have a bald head. Also, 
he notices there's no eyebrows and there's no eyelashes. I imagine those are the sort of things you don't notice right off the bat and gives you an uncanny valley kind of thing. Hmm. Because you're looking at someone and... Well, yeah, it takes you a minute to register like, wait a second. What's off here? (laughs) No eyelashes. I know somebody with no eyelashes. He's got eyebrows, but no eyelashes. Oh, weird. Yeah. Are they just very light or literally none? There's like literally none. Wow. Yeah. Why? Uh, Because he picked him off. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty weird and stuff. Yeah, that's not healthy. But I'm just saying like visually, it takes you a while to be like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy's face? Yeah. 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 No eyelashes. Though this guy was very pale, he had quite red lips. Yeah, ruby red lips. Yes. And his hands were covered with gray gloves. It seems like a vampire you or could, Dr. Evil with red lipstick. Y- yeah, pretty much. You could only see anything. His neck and his head was all you could see of his skin. He sat down in the living room across from Hopkins and they and basically interrogated or debriefed him. And then he did the thing with the coins. And then he did the thing with the coins. Herbert had two coins in his pocket and the guy said that he knew he had two coins in his pocket. So that was kind of creepy. He pulls out one of them, and it's a penny, I believe. I didn't read what kind of coins they were. It was a penny because the guy takes it and just, like, does something to it where the coin slowly begins to turn silver and then blue and then just kind of, like, disappears completely. And then he says something weird, like... He says, like, the coin does not exist on this plane anymore. Yeah. Like, this plane of existence. Yeah. And then he asks Dr. Hopkins if he knows about the Barney Hill case. Now, while he's talking to him about this, the the, the man in black wipes his face and rubs off some of the lipstick onto his glove without really noticing. It appears like he just was like wiping drool off his face or something to show that he didn't actually have lips. Like those lips weren't real. (laughs) Literally just painted on over a mouth slit. You know, I mean. For guys that can be so weird, I mean, like, like, can't you do better makeup? (laughs) Just be like, I'm just going to put on some bright red lips and that'll make me look believable. (laughs) And like, he got into the guy's house. Yeah. Yeah. He got to the guy's house super quick. But I mean, this is like literally the best he can do as far as like the. Maybe. Well, maybe whatever they are. Don't see the differences in humans. Like, we don't see the differences in different mice. I guess. Go to a pet store that's got a bunch of rabbits and Mm -hmm. two or three different black rabbits. Can you tell the difference between the two or three different black rabbits? There's probably millions of differences, but you just don't have the eye for it. Maybe it's the same thing. They're just like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. This is, they have these features. So we've got most of these features. So let's just put these on. (laughs) <laughs> like oh well the lips are always in contrast like in to this, the skin so yeah. here we go it's like okay no this works this works that's on the bright red lipstick would you fuck me i'd fuck me <laughs> anyway he keeps talking to him about the hills dr hoskins says yes he was familiar with the case but that he believed barney hill to be recently deceased which he was yes he was and Apparently, this is one of those like times where they get all freaking upset over shit. Seem to get upset over what he had told him about Barney Hill being dead. But then also follows up with. 
referring back to the disappearing coin. And he said that Barney Hill died because he had no heart. Just like you no longer have a coin. And suggested that it was because he knew too much. Mm-hmm. Barney had died in 1969. Of a cerebral hemorrhage. Yes. Not of a disappearing heart. No. <laughs> that we are aware of. He also suggested, quote unquote, that Hopkins get rid of all of his data regarding the latest UFO abduction he'd been researching. Like it didn't go well for Barney. So if you don't want to end up the same way, better get rid of your shit. This is a very nice house. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Exactly. The man then stood up and his speech got all slurred. And said that my energy is running low. I must go now. Goodbye. <laughs> he stands up and walks out the door. Of course, the doctor follows him, but can't see anything other than a very bright blue light in the front of his house. And then everything's gone. It should be noted that Hopkins was discredited by his nephew, who wrote in a blog post in January of 2008 that Dr. Hopkins was an alcoholic and he liked to make up stories for attention, and that people who took the Men in Black seriously and really wanted to research it should discount his story. Hmm. Now, who wrote this? His nephew? His nephew, who, interestingly, is also named Herbert Hopkins. Is he also a doctor? I don't know. I actually didn't look into his nephew very much. Well, I get that there's lots of people that are like that, for sure. Yes. But in the beginning, we were he was a really successful doctor in a lot of fields, so... And this came out in a 2008 blog post? Is it actually something that was posted by his nephew? Is right. this something that was the Men in Black were putting forward to sort of, like, try and... Discredit him? Retcon discredit him or something? The guy burned all of his stuff. Yeah, he got rid of all of his information. Yeah, so, I mean, just just throwing that out there, like following this encounter, not only did he stop with his uh, research into the case that he was working on in Maine, he yeah, he burned everything that he had so far on it. Yeah, it was gone. Just Poof. gone. So clearly he felt. A lot of fear over this. Yes, just like happened. everyone else. Everyone, no one really seems to enjoy their experiences with these guys. I mean, burning, that's pretty hardcore. I'd say so. Like, okay, I'm really listening to you. I'm going to burn it all to ash. I won't even leave any trace of it. I'll burn it and then I'll burn the ash. Let's move on to Jack Robinson. Jack Robinson. It's the 60s. Let's stay in the 60s. It was a wonderful decade. It was a wonderful decade, although we were just in the 70s, but now we're going to go back to the 60s. Let's go back to the 60s. Back to the 60s. It was a wonderful decade. Whatever. <laughs> I wasn't alive then. Neither was I. I just got the tail end of the 70s. Last six months. I started like right at the beginning of the 80s, like the 80s and I are one. <laughs> the recently or, or some people who study generations or whatever. I don't know exactly what that field of study is called but have recently started talking about a mini generation that lasts pretty much the years that the original star wars series came out oh, okay. 1977 to 1983 called extennials extennials and so i'm totally in an extennial yes and so it, it's characterized by 
having half your youth was analog and the other half was digital. So we got the internet when we were still young enough that we were able to pick it up no problem. Not like our parents trying to deal with trying to fumble around like they're, (laughs) you know, all toes on their hands. Yeah. Yes. But we still had all of the things of going outside and playing and climbing trees and that sort of thing. Unlike the millennials, who, we still have a significant portion of our life without it. Exactly. While the millennials have their whole life has always had the digital. Yes. Or most of it, most of the lives they can remember. So, yes. Like yeah. my son, where it's just like, oh, my gosh. I mean, certainly like, not talking that? down about millennials at all. I mean, no, no, just it, I mean that it just changed so quickly. Yes. Yes. The it time was, from like no Internet at all to where it is today. And we're that. That micro generation that we were going to happen between that happened while Mm -hmm. that was around and conscious and young enough to take advantage of it when that whole thing was happening, which has absolutely nothing to do with men in black. But (laughs) (laughs) regardless, we digress. a bit. Yes. Jack Robinson, (laughs) he and his wife were being harassed big time. They were UFO researchers. This was in New Jersey in 1968. They were kind of convinced that something weird was going on. They suspected that a person or persons unknown was breaking into their house and rummaging through their things, paying particular attention to their UFO files. They also kept seeing this man in a black suit with a hat lurking around their apartment. Standing across the street, staring up at them. They had a friend. He was a photographer, Timothy Green Beckley. He is actually, you can look him up. He's done a lot of photography and he moved to... Some place and did stained glass work. He's a, a, an artist, makes makes living at it. Good for him. But he took a picture mm-hmm. of this man in black. And I've seen the picture. It's actually fucking kind of creepy. It is creepy. I saw the picture, too. It's definitely a man in a black suit and hat standing in like an archway on a sidewalk and very clearly just staring up at something that seems to be across and up from him it could be just a guy their fucking apartment like the robinson's apartment it could just be a guy it could just be a guy and it is a black and white it's black and white photo pretty fuzzy i mean the features are not well defined from looking at it though you can it seems that he's pale and rather featureless yes definitely so super weird yeah that photo is pretty creepy yes it is Paul Miller was in the Air Force. He also enjoyed hunting. Him and three friends were on their way home from a hunting trip in North Dakota. At some point during this drive, the group witnessed what appeared to be a glowing silo land in a nearby field. Miller was in the Air Force, so his mind immediately went to it being some kind of plane crash. They went to check it out. Then the silo disappeared, which is not something that crashed planes tend to do. So when you're saying a silo, like, are we talking like a like a grain silo or something? That, that's like what I believe, farm? a silo. Yeah, like a, a, a giant cylinder with mm-hmm. a pointy top. Kind of like bullet shaped? Yeah. Or like a dick? A little bit like a dick, yeah. Like a pointy <laughs> like a pointy tipped dick. <laughs> Ew. The men decide to take off, and the silo reappears, and two humanoids step out of it. Miller freaks out and shoots one, causing both of them to fucking take off. <laughs> the men hop in their vehicle and they just leave. Yeah, they're just like out of here. They're going to keep this whole shit show on the down low. The next day at Miller's office, three men showed up. You guessed it. Dressed in black suits, black hats, the whole thing. They claimed to be from the government and they questioned him about the events of the previous night. 
Didn't they also say they we have your complete file? Right. They like they have yes. his, his whole military data dossier or whatever mm-hmm. you call it. They seemed to know the answers to the questions they were asking already. And they then demanded to see the clothes that Miller had been wearing when the encounter happened. So they Miller takes him to his house and they inspect his clothes. Do they take the clothes? I was unable to find out much else besides the fact they inspected the clothes. It didn't say if they took them. It didn't say anything about what happened if they just left. Had he washed the clothes? It didn't say at all. It said nothing else. The only thing I know that is that Miller was supposedly still alive to recount this particular encounter. I heard they threatened his wife. Did they threaten his wife? Yeah, that, you know, it it was kind of one of those. It would be a shame if something happened to that pretty wife of yours. Oh, I see. Threats. Totally. Mm -hmm. I missed that part. Well, these stories tend to. They're kind of like folktales. Yeah. In a way. And I'm not trying to like discount them. But still, it's hard to get all of it evolves. I mean, those stories evolve, especially when it's ones from a long time ago, way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's been told and retold and like the story about doll. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there's lots of different variations of the doll, the Harold doll story. Stardust Ranch is a hotbed for UFO activity. Allegedly, it's about an hour outside of Phoenix. Apparently, the current owner is selling it, and it's because he's sick of dealing with all the damn aliens. Okay. He claims to have killed 12 of them so far. Holy shit. And has endured a number of wounds in dealing with them. Apparently, his Facebook, he he takes pictures of all these weird wounds he gets, and there's like dents in his fucking shin. And It takes having to kill 12 of them before you decide decide, Yeah, he's kind of a badass, I think. (laughs) It was but, going to but be even he has a line and he was just like <laughs> he was buying there. He was trying to get the ranch to be a place for rehabilitating horses. Pretty good altruistic thing to do. And goddamn aliens. <laughs> uh, but the men in black have showed up at the ranch as well. I didn't really find out what happened. They probably were just like, don't tell no one about nothing here. Right. Or something like that. I think at that point, if that was happening that much, I'd be like, well, tell them to stop fucking coming here. Yeah. And tell them to leave me the fuck alone and I'll keep right, my mouth right. shut. <laughs> you know so much about this. Uh, tell those motherfuckers to stop, please. It's not like you had some random chance encounter with one and then they come and say like, hey, don't tell anyone about this. Yeah, no, there's like these guys are coming to my house. Motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, look, I'm had enough of this shit. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Why don't you guys do something about it? Could, come you, please? Here Could me. you please? <laughs> Here's kind of a weird story. I only was able to find an excerpt from an article. This is an article called Menace in Black, and it's by a guy named Robert Gorman. I did find his Facebook profile, and I found a number of things that he's written, but I did not find this particular article. Okay. The place that I found this excerpt from had a link to the article, but it went to a 404 page not found. All right. The article pretty much goes that Men in Black show up to someone's house, and they say they are from the Missing Heirs Bureau. As in Missing Heirs, H-E-I-R-S. Yes, yes, exactly. The person claiming to be an investigator from this agency stood about 6'6", but had a high tinny voice. High tinny voice. So he's Alex's height. (gasps) You know what I just thought of? I thought of that judge in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, Uh totally. Oh, man. You got to go see that one or 
go see it. Stream that one. Buy it on DVD if you have to. That is a great one. Who Framed Robert, Roger Rabbit is a yes, really good movie. And that pertains to our particularly weird generation. Yes. Mm-hmm. His frame was large, and his eyes were a little bloodshot and bugged out like he was suffering from a thyroid condition. He had pale fish-looking skin and uniformly thick limbs, but they were thin. Thick but thin, huh? Well, they were uniformly the same thickness. Oh, and that's really gross. Like, so his arm was just like the same length, like, like the a, whole like way a, down? Like a, so the same width, so from his shoulder yeah, to his hand was just the same width, and from his leg as much as could be seen anyway, all the way down was just like a noodle, like a pool noodle with Gross. joints. Yeah. Like a straw, like straws coming out. Sort of, but not straws coming out. Right. He was dressed in a black suit, black tie, white shirt, and had these thick rubber soled shoes. A were they like bands? <laughs> no, they were just black dress shoes, but they were, had very abnormally thick, Thick soles that were made of rubber. Mm. A thick green wire was seen running out of his sock and up his leg, but not like it was a loose wire, as if it was attached to his leg. So there was a divot in his leg where the wire ran up. So it wasn't sticking off his leg so much as like part was of his leg? forming part of his leg. Yeah. Ew. So it, it, if in, in profile, it would have looked just like a regular ankle and calf well except that they were then when there's a light shown on it you see yeah except that they didn't taper at all exactly yeah but then you look at it and it's not it's not jutting off of the noodle it's a part of it a part of the noodle yes okay the way he spoke was very strange as well more like a computer than something organic clipped precise words when the person quote unquote left the house it walked to the road and waved a hand A 1960s black Cadillac rolls up, picks him up, and then drives off. It was nighttime, and the car never had its lights on. You could just see in the dark like magic. Or something. (laughs) Or maybe it crashed just out of earshot. I don't know. But that's about it for Men in Black. I looked to try and find more information about what they are or what their agenda was, and was really unable to find anything. From all the stories, it seems to me like whatever they are, they are there to make it so that humans who have alien encounters do not talk about these encounters. And a variety of paranormal encounters, or perhaps all alien, and the fact that men in black show up suggests that it's in fact an extraterrestrial encounter. Maybe they show up more than people report. Oh, I'm sure they show up more than people report. Do you know who I would report it to if the men in black showed up to me? A fucking no one. Our listeners, <laughs> unless they threatened my family, in which case I'd wait and then inform our listeners. Well, the men in black aren't listening to our podcast. No, but a lot of these things, I mean, what the fuck are they listening to in the 60s to find out this shit and just like roll up and find out about things? I mean, not a lot. That's true. So you would you would tell all all our listeners about it. I would tell our listeners. I would tell no one. I'm just saying right now. (laughs) Totally. Well, there you go. (laughs) I'd be like, okay, not a problem. The movies, they have that thing in the Men in Black movies, that mind eraser thing. Yes. Like, I wonder if that's a thing that they have, and maybe that's why there's less reports of it. Most of the times it works. Maybe I kept feeling like that coin thing 
at first, I guess, before he said that he made it disappear, like as a threat, I was almost thinking, like, look at the coin, and as he's watching it disappear, like slowly turn into something else and then dematerialize. He then like, like wakes then up he wakes in his up, bed. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I was expecting that too. But no. But no. Yeah, it was just it was a more like, oh so, well, we're gonna do this to your fucking heart. Yeah. Or know. whatever. I mean, <laughs> this is what we can do. We can just do this. We can just make things disappear. I mean, if they're not existing on a the third dimension, then no. Yeah. Who knows what they can do? Who knows in the perspective of the of someone in the second dimension, what powers we have? I mean, it's fucking weird. Doesn't seem like I have any special powers. No, but something two dimensional. Perhaps you do. You can suddenly appear and then disappear in two dimensional space. But isn't like two dimensional where I'd be like flatter? Like if I was like lines a on a piece of paper. If lines on a piece of paper were sentient, and you put your finger down and blocked one of those lines, it would suddenly be this blockage that they couldn't see because it was a three-dimensional blockage in two-dimensional space maybe for it (laughs) maybe all of these things we see are simply four-dimensional objects in three-dimensional space who knows Mm. but that's That's one thing to ponder but that's about it for men in black that i have what about you uh you got me too i'm all men in blacked out hopefully hopefully the damn song will get out of my head as i mentioned earlier because it really is like destroying me this thing (laughs) well i hope it gets out of your head as well it's catchy but just way too much it's been occupying my brain way too long way too long time for it to go i hope that works out for you before we go i'd like to thank all of our patrons thank you guys very much we appreciate every last one of you Thank you to our listeners. We appreciate you guys as well, just not as much because we can be bought. <laughs> Check out the podcast syndicate we are a part of, Age of Radio, ageofradio.org. You can check out their bazaar for products and all of the great podcasts on the syndicate. You can get merchandise from us, tpublic.com slash user slash stranger than podcast. Shirts, stickers. All manner of things. The stickers are pretty cool. I have one on my, well, it's my fake hydro flask. I can't afford an actual hydro flask in real life. It's the thermo flask. Ooh, a faux yeah. hydro flask. Yes. As you can see right here, it is on the table. It's very lovely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a nice sticker. Also, if you feel so inclined, contribute to us via our Patreon site, patreon.com slash stranger than podcast. That's a crowdfunding site, so it's kind of giving us a tip for a job well done or whatever kind of job you feel we've done. (laughs) You can do monthly subscriptions, I guess. It's a dollar, two dollars or five dollars. At the five dollar level, you get a monthly bonus episode. It will come out sometime in the month, sometimes the beginning, sometimes right up to the end. It all depends (laughs) on the workload that I have. Check us out on Spotify. Just look us up. Stranger Than Podcast. We're on Twitter. We don't really check it, but you can find us there. Instagram and Facebook, we're both on there as Stranger Than Podcast. We also have the Strange Space group. That's our like private Facebook group on our Facebook page. You can find it on our Facebook page and join the group. That's right. You can also check out our show page, ageofradio.org slash stranger than. 
And if you would like to give us a alien encounter, a story idea, any sort of paranormal ghost things you've encountered, experienced, whatever, drop us an email, strangerthanpodcast at gmail.com. I'm pretty sure Nate checks it. I do, in fact. <laughs> I have it on my phone, but I, just, I have all my emails. Don't give me alerts because that would just be an insane just number of too days. Much. It's just way too much because of all the junk mail. I try to unsubscribe, but. We know how that works. Exactly. Well, thank you all very much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Stay strange. Stay strange.